You're listening to Process with Broads and D-Ray. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Process. And Joel Embiid spoke to the media via Zoom, and there's a lot to dive into when it comes to him specifically. Shake Milton, Furkan Korkmaz, as well as some others. So we are going to dive into that. But first, of course, we always like to check in and see how everything's going. So, D-Ray, how is everything going? Good, man. Good. Getting back on track after this weekend. You know what I mean? Trying to... Trying to get things going again. It's, it was it was fun, but it was a little too much fun at times. So I'm, I'm trying to get back in the groove. How about you? Oh, a little too much fun. You went to D.C., right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So like I said, I got back and I'm like, I don't even know. He's hanging my headphones and I'm like trying to find them. But just just a little stuff here and there I'm trying to get together, man. How you feeling? Good, good. But I want to know what too much fun actually means. Nah, What's nah, too nah, what? No. Oh, you can't tell the yeah, people. Nah, that's, that's the afterwards. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's for when I hit stop recording and when we shoot the shit. I got it. All right. Nice, nice. I I think that there's a lot to get into with the 76ers right now, and it does seem like as the days go by, we creep closer and closer to actually speaking basketball. It's slowly getting there, and what happens on the court and just talking about things on the court is more of the conversation instead of, oh, look at the schedule or look at what they're going to do when they get there in terms of format. Like, it's basketball now, and, and that's entertaining. But there was someone on ESPN, who spoke about Joel Embiid in such a disgusting way that it bothers me. So Kendrick Perkins Mm. pretty much attacked Joel Embiid for saying he felt uncomfortable. Now, I've been Mm. on the record saying Joel Embiid did seem like he wasn't a big fan of the bubble, and I'm okay with that. You are allowed to feel uncomfortable during a pandemic when it comes to your health. I am totally okay with that. I just don't think that it relates to dominating the lead like if you're questioning going back are you 100% mentally checked in to go dominate the league and I think that that's a fair question but Kendrick Perkins attacked Embiid as if it's not okay to feel uncomfortable and that makes me a little bit upset yeah yeah now Kendrick Perkins so once you said the name I was like oh this guy like he's just he's that antagonist at that point it seems like ESPN has this thing about like taking one character character and they just turned them into like the villain, you know, like Max, you know, whatever Max he Kellerman. says. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Kendrick Perkins, even even Skip back when he was there it was some shit like you can't really feel like this. And for him to be so upset about somebody, like you said, being upset or kind of uncomfortable about health, it's like, are you serious? You know what I mean? Like you're really going to attack somebody for that. That's just weird, man. But it's Kendrick Perkins. I feel like at this point, it's just his job to be that guy. Oh, no doubt. All these ESPN people, they have personalities where they take it over the top. They want to be controversial. They want you to talk about it. They want it to be trending on Twitter. So I totally get that. But, you know, there are people outside of Kendrick Perkins that truly do feel this way about these athletes as if it's their job to go out there and play, which it is. But during a pandemic, how can we not sit here and say, well, you know what? Guess what? They're human beings, too. And if they're worried about their family, if they're worried about their kids, if they're worried about their own health, that's okay. You don't need to question their heart and how much they want it during a pandemic. You can question their heart and everything else when things are normal, people are in the stands, and if it looked like they took that game off, all for ripping them apart. But this, I mean, come on. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm with you on that one, bro. A hundred percent. If everything was normal and it was, oh, I don't like if we were back and they were playing that Wells Fargo and it's like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. I don't know how things it's like, all right, bro, at some point you got to cut the shit. You know what I mean? And get back to business. But nothing's normal. Nothing's normal. Nobody knows what's going on. It's kind of the blind leading the blind with a lot of this shit. So for somebody to kind of, ah, you know, have a bit of a pause, I get that. But it's it's also, like I said, man, it's, it's Kendrick Perry. I don't even want to give him too much stock because it's like, man, shut your ass up. Like, just, I, I hope Joe and B go down there and shuts him up on the court. But for us, two guys here shooting the shit, shut your ass up. Like, it's just <laughs> like, come on, man. Absolutely. But I want to kind of transition that into the way I feel about Joel Embiid because, you know, when it comes to not feeling safe, it's okay. But he talks about dominating the league. He talks about putting in so much work. He talks about how much effort he put in the six days a week, really grinding, really making sure that he's ready. I personally, and I want to get your opinion on this, I don't see how that correlates to some of his quotes. Like, for example, he said he's not a big fan of the idea. He says at the end of the day, there's, uh, at the end of the day, basketball is not all that matters. I want to make sure that I'm able to live for a long time and not have any sort of consequences in the future. He also mentioned about how he thought about opting out at one point. So that did cross his mind. How can he think about opting out, yet have the right mindset to go out there and perform. Yeah, I don't think it can be both ways. I, I, I feel like you're getting at the fact that it's like, listen, you got to kind of choose one side or the other. And I feel the same way. I don't feel like something like this could be both ways. Because if you're down there playing, you don't have a free mind and a part of you is like, ah, I'm kind of worried. Then that part of you is the part of you that's not focused on the game. You know what I mean? I, I do feel like that takes away. Do I think it's going to be the difference between him having 20 and him having two, no. But that little bit extra that's unsured and not bought in, that does take away. Well, do you think it's possible that, and this is me just trying to convince myself, well, hold on, maybe there's a chance he does get in the right mindset. Once he's mm -hmm. there for maybe a week or two and he sees the protocols and he sees that the bubble's working, and hell, maybe he looks at the MOS because they're in the bubble right now as well, and I know he's a big soccer guy. Maybe he sees the way that they're handling things, and then once he's there for a little bit, just he, like the nature of playing basketball comes back and he forgets about it because he trusts the NBA once he kind of sees the rhythm of how everything's going. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, that's that's the hope that, you know, he would get to the point where you said he's just comfortable. You know what I mean? And he's like, all right, you know what I mean? It's not as big as a deal. You almost kind of just push it to the back of your mind because it doesn't you realize, OK, it's not it's something that's in my mind, not saying that COVID isn't real, not saying that. People aren't dying. It's just, all right, here, it's a bubble. They're dealing with it as best as they can. We're safe. Let me just focus on the game. That's the hope. But I don't think it's going to be in a way. I got to be honest. I don't I don't see it being after the first week. You know what I mean? Because once they really start back up, then, guys, uh, you got a whole nother line of questions. All right, now we're on the court a lot more. And I think it's going to take some time for everybody to kind of get comfortable with this. But I'm happy he didn't opt out. Thank God he didn't opt out. And I'm hoping, like you are, too, that, after a little bit of time there, he kind of realizes, all right, this is being dealt with. Let me focus on the game. Well, it is interesting, though, because a lot of the teams spoke via Zoom over the last couple of days throughout this entire week. Joel Embiid obviously felt uncomfortable. Shake Milton said that they realistically should not be playing because there's more issues out there in the world, which is very true. But I think they can use this platform to help 
those issues. Mike Scott was not very juiced up to go back. It seems as if there's a lot of players on the Sixers that are not really feeling this 100%. And I think you got to give credit to Brett Brown throughout this process to kind of keep the team clocked in. It's not as if he's forcing them to go down there if they're unwilling to, but to hear a lot about how these players aren't 100% thinking this is the best idea, they're all in on this because of the team. And I think that's Brett Brown's strongest part of what he does best. Like The way I compared it is, Doug Peterson keeps that locker room together all the time. He's not a big X's and O's guy when it comes to the Eagles, mm-hmm. but he is great at keeping guys together. And when you saw Alshon Jeffrey, well, it was um, it was the report with Josina Anderson. Everyone thought yeah. it was Alshon Jeffrey, but the locker room was a mess. And I'm questioning, like, if Doug Peterson can't do what he does best, which is keep the locker room together, what's he doing? Well, I think with Brett Brown, what he does best is relationship with his players. So to yeah. see him do this, it's like, okay, Brett Brown is doing what he does best. Mm-hmm. It, absolutely, absolutely. Like that, I'm so happy you said it like that. In the sense of he's not Doug Peterson, not being the best X and O guy, but keeping a lot of them together. How important that is for a coach. Because at the end of the day, those guys got to know that all they have is each other. And if they know that, listen, we're all going out here. We might not all be on the same page, but we're all pulling the rope in the same direction. That's what I'm not gonna say. That's what wins championships. Obviously, you need talent. You know what I mean. You need skill. Let's call it what it is. You need good coaching. But that's one thing that if you don't have it, I don't see how you succeed. And keeping these guys together, despite their differences in views or opinions, is huge right now. It's, it's really huge. And I think he's doing a great job at it. I'm interested to see what happens when they get down there. I feel like there's groups of guys all around the NBA who are kind of, you know, some of them feel like they should, like Kyrie, we shouldn't be playing because of social justice um, issues that's going on right now. Some guys are saying because of the sickness, like John B. I'm very interested to see what happens when these group of players get around other groups of players from other teams. And now you have teams of players almost who might not be wearing a uniform, but feel the same way. I'm very interested to see what that looks like. But I'm hoping and praying that Brett Brown um, has an answer for that as well, too. I'm not going to lie to you. I feel a little concerned about the buying in. And I just want to be clear. I'm okay that these people feel uncomfortable because that makes a lot of sense. But you know, with them going down there, once you are there, you are going to have to compete, right? Like, if you're, if we have a, if the Sixers have a playoff game, I'm not going to come afterwards and break it down and go, well, I mean, they weren't really 100% there, so can I be mad at them? Like, once you are there, I think it's time to compete. If you're going to pack your bags and go to Orlando, then, hey, look, you're there and you got to yeah. go play. So, I just question... Is this team really mentally there? Are they in the right mindset for us as fans to expect them to go there and really compete at a high level for a title? I just don't see the correlation, and it's a little concerning. It is. It is. It is. But I'm with you, bro. I really feel like once they get on the plane, I, I when we said it before on the show, I feel like up until the actual first game tips off, it is going to be a series of oh shits. Oh shit. You know what I mean? Like that, that almost fell through. Like when I heard this news about the team kind of being split, there's that moment of, well, is the season going to come back? Are things going to work out? You hear about different players opting out. Is the season going to come back? Is this going to work out? So like, I feel like there's a, up until like that first ball tips off, it's going to be a bunch of like, ah, I, we almost didn't make it. But once they land and get there and they're actually playing, it's like, listen, Cut the shit. You know what I mean? You made a decision. You had a chance to make another decision. 
once they made that decision to actually get on that plane, get down there, unpack their bags, go to a practice, start playing games, to me at that point is on. And I'm hoping that basketball, kind of like the freedom of basketball, because you know this with hockey, once you get on the ice, you play football, once you get on the field, you play basketball, once you get on the court, once you get in your competitive realm, a lot of other shit doesn't matter. You know what I mean? That's kind of the beauty of the game. Shit, for us as fans, we enjoy it because it takes our minds off other things. But for a player, you and I both know, once you step into that arena, whatever it is, nothing else matters. And I'm really hoping that happens down there in Orlando. I think it will, though. I think once they get on the floor, you're just yeah. so used to being on the floor that your mind naturally goes away from everything, and that's kind of your escape. We all use sports as an escape, whether you want to admit it or not, whether you're a player right. or whether you're a fan. We kind of put everything on pause, right? And you dive into those sporting events. So I, I would think once they're on the floor that things kind of uh, you know get back to normal for those specific players while they're out there, and then from there you'll see what happens. I mean, there's games going on now, like I stated, the MLS and Maybe you see them do something that works that could be beneficial for the NBA once they get things going. Now, I saw um, a couple MOS games so far, and they went no fake crowd during the broadcast. And I've watched a ton of English Premier League soccer, and they go fake crowd. I will say, at this point, I think the fake crowd noise should be a definite thing. It is weird, and I mean real weird, to just hear the guys calling for the ball. and But when you had the fake crowd noise, they do such a good job at, on a counterattack in soccer, the fans get louder and louder. Like, they do a great job of making it feel so real. I think on broadcasts, I want to hear some fake noise. Yeah, whoever, shout out to these producers during this right? time, too. For you to know when to turn that shit up, when to turn that shit down is like, that's a skill. But no, 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 definitely, definitely, man. I, I, I'm with you on the fake crowd thing. I could not imagine watching a game, a professional game, between two, like, I don't want to hear, like, you know, those jokes when it's like no one's in the crowd. You're like, <laughs> like, you hear, like, the, the you know, the, the the floor screeches and all that. Bah, 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 bah. You know what I mean? Or, I got man, I got man, I got man. Like, I don't want to hear a practice. I don't want to feel like I'm at a fucking coach's clinic. You know what I mean? Like, I want to feel like I'm watching a basketball game. So the fake crowd definitely needs to be included for the NBA. I'm not for the weird fake crowd. Um, Virtually seen on TV. No, 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 not the first one. It was one, it was one I was watching. It was a soccer league, and they had like, dare I say, blow up dolls. And not all of them, you know, in the way that some people are thinking, but like they had a lot of there was a league in baseball overseas. I forget what league it was. Taiwan, maybe they had blow up sex dolls all in their stadium. That's what they decided to do. That shit's creepy. I'm sorry. Like if I was, <laughs> if they're panning across during a game and I see like LeBron with his dog. arm around someone watching, yeah, <laughs> one coach spitting game to him. So how you come here? Like, like that shit. Like to me, like that, and just like the weird little like life size. I, I think one one team put like life size like teddy bears and stuffed animals and shit. Like that is creepy. Like that. That might define 2020, but I don't want to see that shit on. You know what I mean? I don't want to see that on TV. That's well, did weird. you end up watching any of the the TBT? Isn't that what it's called? The basketball tournament? Have you seen yeah, any yeah. of that? I haven't seen the crowd. I okay, was well, watching highlights, they do but it is, wasn't. Yeah, it's pretty much a closed gym, and they have banners coming down on the wall. So you don't really see much of empty seats or whatever. And we had Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports NBA on 97.3 ESPN yesterday 
and he said it's going to have a similar vibe to the TBT broadcast. So if anyone does catch what's happening on ESPN with that TBT stuff, and by the way, I saw Aaron Kraft play yesterday, and that was my all-time favorite defender in college basketball ever. No, no offense. And I'm like, dude, Aaron Kraft? Are you kidding me watching this guy hoop right now? That was my love watching him play at Ohio State defending. He was a bad one. How come you don't play the TBT, get a little Wildcat crew together? Hey, man, I was about to say, stay tuned. Stay Ooh, down, working on that. Win that a million dollars? Give some to Broads, you know? <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned. I'm definitely working on that. I, I feel like it, it sounds like it's um, describing the the G League showcase. You ever watch that? No. That's how they kind of set it up. Like it was like a, um, it's almost like a stage. And it's like you can't see anything around it but except the actual floor. I, I like that. I'm Like we said, bro, as, as long as it don't look like a fucking AAU tournament, you know what I mean, where you got the guys side by side, I'm with it. Because we're watching real basketball again. And we can shoot this shit about actual basketball. Right. I'm picturing right now uh, NBA 2K when you're playing my court or whatever, the my street, and oh you see all – you're waiting in line. I'm always waiting in line, dude. It's like I sit down, I'm just waiting. I want to play, but I keep losing. So I'm sitting there waiting. On, here's my guy with the AI the sweatband on with the with the arm sleeve and the, the two uh, compression, the, the long compressions. My guy's just sitting there, never playing. He's always waiting. It's ridiculous. You got to get back on the sticks, man. Yeah, dude. I know. I know. But (laughs) let's get back to Joel Embiid because Mm -hmm. I I find this interesting. He uses player speak. We always talk about coaches speak when they say something. You kind of laugh like, oh, okay, that's such coach speak. He gives us a little player speak in there, but fans eat it up. And he went into saying like, "Um, I'm not going to let my city down and talking about like, this is Philadelphia. I'm not going to let them down. The problem is, he didn't really say it in the tone I just said it in. On the Zoom call, he was so boring, so nonchalant. It seemed like he had zero energy. And he's talking about how, like, this is my city. I'm going to do this for Philadelphia. And it's like, yeah, I think I'm over that part. Like, I I get it. You got to say that. I don't expect you to go the other way and go, I hate Philadelphia, right? He's not going to say that, of course. But I'm just not buying into that. That doesn't suck me in. Like, oh, I got to do this for my city. Mm -hmm. It's like... Is is that really why you're doing it, or is that just player speak to kind of suck in these people who do get all rah-rah about it? I think it's a little bit of both. You know what I mean? I, I, I think he knows he has to play the game to an extent. There's some people that that made their damn day. You know what I mean? Like I said, they went and got an a NBA uh, 2026ers championship tatted on their thigh or some shit after that comment. Like, some people, that juices them up. But, you know, for us, I'm, I'm with you 100%. No, I, I want to see it. That does sound like some propaganda, but what excites me about a Joel Embiid is he's a guy who doesn't strike me as someone who's okay with empty promises. He doesn't strike me as someone who's okay with just saying some shit like that and then just kind of being like, ah, you know what I mean? It was what it was. I kind of just said in the moment. He strikes me as someone who says shit like that and it's almost like hold me accountable so I can then go out there and do it that much more. I already had it in, in a plan, but I'm going to say it with the hopes that y'all like, all right, it's, it, it riles him up as much as it riles other people up. And if that's what the fuck it takes, you know what I mean? To, to well, get him to turn over. It's interesting you bring that up, though, because What's up? with Ben Simmons, he's someone who gets abused, abused, abused by the fans, this is. And then eventually he hits a wall internally, and then he dominates and goes, like, shut the hell up, pretty much, to the fans with his But he play. doesn't say anything on right. the way. Joe and B talks the whole time. But he's doing the same thing as well. It's like, my point to bring that up is we have two stars right now that can't, 
internally get themselves to play without that talk or without that abuse from the fans. And I don't think we're going to take that next step as a franchise until it's to the level of Michael Jordan where he's making up damn scenarios that didn't even happen. Like, he would always internally find a way to create that juice for himself. And it seems like we're talking about Ben Simmons who has to get the fans to really crush him before he does it and Joel who has to run his mouth. Like, when is it going to be to the point where they just do it? Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. To be fair, in the early years, I feel like, you know what I mean, Jordan got to that point after... And jo- it's tough he to was, say, be like Jordan. No one's going to be like yeah. Jordan, right? So, like, that's yeah, yeah. ridiculous you can, to say that uh, to an extent. But you could take some pages out of his book. I'm definitely for you in the sense of we won't be there as a franchise until they almost have to make up some shit or it doesn't take anything. It's day in and day out. I'm showing up with the same energy. If I win, I'm coming back in the gym getting better. If I lose, I'm coming back in the gym getting better. Until they adapt that mentality, I don't think we'll take another step. But for them right now as young players, like I said, it's about getting there for me. And if they get there off of that, then cool. Is it something that's sustainable? Hell no. Is it something that's going to turn into a problem down the line? Probably. Because like you said, you got to wait till the fans crush them. But for right now, you know what I mean? It's like Michael's secret stuff in Space Jam. Like, listen, take that shit and get out there and do what you got to do. You know what I mean? It's crunch time. Yeah, it's it's interesting with these two. You know, it's never a dull moment. That's for damn sure. Joel actually spoke on Ben Simmons, and this is not the first time he's done that. He's very vocal when it comes to Ben needing to shoot and and Ben in general. So he says here, Mm -hmm. we are going to need him. I'm going to do my best to keep helping him and create some space for him. I feel like he has the right mindset. I know one thing about him. He wants to win. Now, the thing that's interesting to me is, you know, obviously we're going to need him. Of course we're going to need him. But he's going to do his best to help him create some space for him. And reality is, I know people don't want to hear this. How do you create space for Ben Simmons if you're a big man? Guess what? You're parking your ass on the perimeter. So how much (laughs) is he going to be out there in the perimeter is the real question. Yeah, I, I think that could work, though. I think that could I mean, Joel can shoot that shit. Obviously, if he's been working out as much as he say he has. I can imagine his shot looks good right now. So that's the beauty of him, that, that that might be what it takes. You know what I mean? As much people hate that and give Joel Embiid shit for getting under the basket and all that, like maybe him getting out and kind of playing more of a stretch four role helps open up driving lanes and, and, and easy post us for, for Ben Simmons. But I don't know, bro. These two is just, like you said, it's never a fucking dull moment. And it's entertaining, but it's also at a point where it's like the shit has to kind of, it has to stop being fashion and start being function. The shit has to start to kind of make sense from a practical standpoint. If that's what it takes, cool. Right. Well, it does all rely on Ben Simmons because, you know, he, he also went on and spoke about um, Al Horford and he said that he sees no problem with him and Al Horford on the floor at the same time. And a conversation Mike Gill and I had was... That pick-and-pop game that Al Horford would run in Boston was so damn effective, right? I mean, it worked so much, whether it was right by the free-throw line or maybe it was a pick-and-pop that resulted in a three, but at the top of the key. And he's normally taking them now by the... By the um by the sides and it's like yeah. that's not where he succeeded in Boston and it all goes back to and I'm a huge Ben guy and it and he is very raw right now when it comes to his age in the NBA no doubt but. The reason why you can't run the pick and pops, it really, everything always seems to dive back to, well, why is Joel Embiid by the perimeter? Well, Ben Simmons. Why aren't we running more pick and pop? Well, Ben Simmons. It does really seem like the reason why this is not looking as pretty as maybe it should or could is because Ben hasn't taken that step yet with that one thing that he needs to do in his game. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I, I don't think that step's going to get taken, though. I don't I think it's I, it's funny. I, I didn't even realize that till you said it, like Al Horford kind of shooting on the wing more than the top of the key. And that's weird because you would think with somebody being a left handed player like Ben Simmons, you would have him in a reverse screen where Al Horford comes up, sets a screen where Ben Simmons gets downhill using his left hand. But it's weird because he seems to go to his right. But that would then turn into him turning around and always getting that top of the three key. But that's on Brett. And as much pass as we give him, that's on Brett. That's something that he has to recognize and see. And it's like, all right, we got to fucking change this. You know what I mean? There's a million sets that will make sure a big guy picking pops and gets to a spot that he's comfortable in. I, I didn't even think of that. Like at Boston, a lot of them were between kind of that, if that those lane lines were extended, you know what I mean? He's kind of in that range as opposed to out there by the wing or the corner. So it's interesting, man. You might have to exchange some notes with, with Brett, man. That Ooh. sounds you think so? Yeah, man. That shit, Ooh. that's that's those Coach, little things matter. Coach you know Broach. What I mean? Guess what? You could wear you could wear the ninja headbands any day of the week on my practice. I ain't Coach Jay Wright. Everything goes. We have personality on my squad. Oh, come on. No, I can't be doing that. That's not right. That's not right. What was I gonna say? Oh yeah. We were talking about Al Horford. Who the hell taught that guy how to shoot a basketball? I mean, what what is, what is this concept here? I've never seen anything like it. I'm trying here with my hands. What what the hell is that? That shit is coyote ugly. What but is it's that? also it's just I, I think he got to a point where it was like that's comfortable. If the shit goes in, listen, man, Sean Marion. Sean Marion. If the shit goes in, people don't like to hear this, but if you go back and you look at Reggie Miller's shot, that shit was not exactly textbook. But it went in. Yeah, it's fair. It's just it what the hell? Who I just someone <laughs> at some point someone was like, Okay, Al, this is what you do. And he's sitting there at camp four year old Al Warford. Probably like the same ears. Like I'm picturing him just like, you know the Snapchat filter that's on Stephen A. Smith? I'm just picturing that on Al Horford right now, taking free throws, but holding the ball from behind. I go, okay, Al, this is what you do. Crazy. He's probably taking perimeter shots too, right? Brett Brown's there like, shoot more threes. All right, that's exactly. What am I doing today? I'm all over the place. What the hell is wrong with me? I, want, I got two more things. That. Two more things I want to touch on. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Bro. Go ahead. I know. All right, so Joel talked about needing to be more assertive in the offense, and he thought at times he just went through the motions. To me, I feel like I've heard this 10 times already. Oh, I just keep going through the motions. I just keep going through the motions. I got to be more demanding. I got to get the ball more. I got to do this. I, I feel like we've just heard him say, I've been going through the motions too much, way too many times. Like Everything that he's saying, I get he has to say it because it's technically the right thing to say but in terms of like holding on to it and saying all right well since he said it this time that means it's going to happen i can't get behind yeah. it yeah it's hard to it's hard to I, I ain't gonna lie bro you sound like you at a point where it's like you don't yeah like a lot of philly fans i almost don't want to hear shit <laughs> yeah don't you know what i mean me. like they're exactly, exactly shut the fuck up when you talk to me like there's nothing there's nothing that he can say at this point because like you're right bro and i i feel the same way i feel like a lot of philly fans feel the same way outside of people that get juiced up when he says things like it's for my my city like it really is at a point where it's like there is nothing you can say even taking ownership for past things is kind of getting old it's at a point where it's just like unless this the, the shit just is on the floor and unless we see it there it's People aren't interested. And I'm for that because maybe that's what it's going to take for them to realize, like, 
You don't have to do the whole propaganda thing. You don't have to sit here and share with us your passion and, and where you're pulling your energy from and where you're pulling your fire from. Just go out there and fucking do it. You know what I mean? And in that way, like a Kawhi, you don't know where to do it. I don't know what the fuck motivates Kawhi. I really don't. I new, really new don't. balance. New balance. Exactly. New deals. Exactly. Exactly. Stock images of computers and <laughs> like who knows what motivates this man, but it doesn't matter because you know when he steps on the floor, he's getting down to business. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, though, because we are both kind of like, hey, shut the hell up, Joel, and just show us. But at the same time, we're not irrational, and we think, okay, he still needs time to grow and develop as well. So you kind of have to find the mix. It's not shut up and go do it, and if you don't trade him, get rid of him, and let's move on. But, you know, mm -hmm. to an extent, it's shut up and prove us on. If we saw growth in his game, like, we can both agree, right, that this year has been a disappointment to this degree. And he keeps talking Over. about how in the second half he was way better and he was more himself. But, Joel, there's no Ben Simmons. And guess what? When things matter, when things are going to actually come down to playoff basketball, Ben Simmons will be out there. So you can't do anything you did in the first half with Ben on the floor during the postseason. So I can't even credit you for your second half. Yeah, yeah, that, that is hard. That asterisk of Ben Simmons not being in there is, is big. But I will say this. I kind of like it because it'll it'll make him – he obviously has to fucking equate for Ben Simmons. We can't get away from that. You can't, you can't get away from that. You can't escape that. It is what it is. But sometimes being out there without your – I'm not going to call him Robin because that ain't the case, but without your guy, being out there, without, it makes you grow. You know what I mean? It's like leaving home for us or you know if a kid goes to college like you got to grow up or you leave out the house you got to grow up like it's one of those things that makes you grow and if he's saying he felt more like himself as long as that's not completely wrapped up in the absence of Ben Simmons then that's good moving forward for me yeah no doubt about it all right so this is the last thing I want to hit on from the interviews on Zoom. And it was actually Furkan Korkmaz was told by Brett Brown he is going to be an important piece. That's interesting. This is coming after Brett Brown spoke about normally not trusting young players in the NBA playoffs. That doesn't mean he's not going to play them. Some people took that way out of context and made it seem as if all these young guys are going to get zero minutes or he didn't trust Ben Simmons. It's like, okay, let's let's use some logic here and really think about what he was saying. Yeah, so, exactly. Furkan, though, being an important piece, I think we all understand he brings the one thing that this team doesn't have, but you know me. I just look at that defense and I question, is he going to be able to provide enough offensively to keep him out on the floor to at least give them a couple minutes of run throughout? Like, if if, if we're looking at an important piece, does that mean 20 minutes off the bench? I don't see that. Important piece That's... isn't 10 minutes. Important piece, unless, unless in Brett Brown's eyes... That 10 minutes is so important that he values that as an important piece, which is very possible. <laughs> I'm going to meet you halfway. I'm going to say 15. <laughs> not 20 and not 10. I'm going to meet you at 15. I, I, I'm very interested to see what he's talking about because I'm with you on that one. His defense is not – like, especially with a team out there with so many guys who are just defensively sound. Now, if that means that he's going to go out there and he knows, listen, it's my job to go out here and get 
two to five threes, and that's kind of a big number, so let's call it three to five threes, you know what I mean? In X amount of time, yeah, is it my job to kind of stretch the floor and offensively get in my bag as we've seen him doing flashes? Then, yeah, because then that opens up driving lanes for other guys. That kind of opens up the floor because now you actually have to defend some on perimeter. So I hope that's what he means, but if he just means important piece as in me just being out there because some guys, some players are just, just because they're out there, they're a threat, that would mean that he's like about to come out there and just – shoot the lights out you know what i mean he's one of those guys that you can't leave and i don't see that right now but bro it's 2020 if it was ever a time <laughs> to be surprised by my man Korkmaz, it's right now it is 2020 so if that's what he's thinking let's do it yeah oh man i would love it see a lot of people come after me for my hatred towards Furkan Korkmaz, but people assume that i want him to fail if he drops 38 points in an nba playoff game you think I'm going to come down here and be like, oh, but next game is going to stink. Hell no. I'm going to come down here and be like, hell yeah, I was wrong, bro. You're an idiot. Let's go and buy a Furcon Cork Monsters. I mean, I want the guy to flip me off six times and say, fuck you, bro. I want that. I'm okay with being wrong. People have a, have a problem with admitting when they're wrong sometimes. But nah, only time will that. tell because even during the time of him playing well in the regular season, I said I am nervous for him in the postseason. So, yeah, there might be games throughout the regular season where he drops 32, where he's having an unbelievable night shooting the basketball. But I question his defense in the postseason. So until I see that, until I see him hold his own in the postseason, then, you know, my, my comments are kind of stand where they are. Yeah, I dig it, bro. I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. I feel like the it sounds like between how we feel about Ben, how we feel about Joel, how we feel about Kormar, and how we feel about Brett is at a point where it's just like the whole organization needs to shut the hell up and just make it happen. That That's the only thing that's going to satisfy us at this point. So. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. So a little quick, quicker episode today, but right to the point. Quick, right to the point. Talk about the Sixers and bang, there it is. Boom. You know, (laughs) sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Get in, get out. So (laughs) thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Process, and we will see you next time.